Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Frio Bigfooty podcast. This week we'll be going through having a look at the uh, upcoming game against Brisbane at Patterson Stadium on Saturday afternoon and we'll also be having a uh, look at the Brisbane side and the Frio side as well as the game in a bit of detail and then we're going to finish off with our mid-season review from last week where we sort of had a look through the uh, list and gave our opinion on how the players are going. So this week we've got our same two guys back from last week. So we've got Seppo here again. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks. And uh, glad to have you back on board. And we also have Paraclete. How are you, mate? Good evening, Sense. Good evening, Seppo. And good evening, listeners. All right, excellent. So this week, um, or today, we heard the development that Fremantle will be getting uh, $10 million from the federal government to help with the uh, redevelopment down at Coburn. And I think it's got to be a um, real positive uh, step forward for the club in terms of their development and just the fact that the uh, antiquated sort of uh, facilities that we have at Fremantle Oval will be um, gone and we'll be able to add on, you know, just give our players the best opportunity for success. What do you guys think? Seppo, how do you think? Um, well, I'm a bit indifferent about this until I sort of actually see it's not just a, uh, um, you know, political drive. I'm not sure if it's actually going to be happening with that um, money coming our way or not. But um, look, if they say it's happening, that's great because we do need that additional funding because it's um, something we need to get across the board. So if it does you happen, great. The, but... You would assume the project was contingent on the on the federal funding, but yes, most yeah. of the money is coming from the uh, from the city of Coburn, I believe. So I've no idea whether the you know whether the heads of the government for that are <clears throat> anywhere anyway advanced by this, but it's certainly. Uh, indicative of thinking that we're getting a little bit closer to actual kickoff rather than just talk. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, some of the people at the city of Coburn, mate, you know, not all the uh, taxpayer or ratepayers there will probably be thrilled with the idea of putting in so much money. But uh, I think it sort of will give them a um, outstanding facility down there, and hopefully, they'll be able to uh, not only use it for the dockers as well, but uh, for also their uh, taxpayers and uh, people that live around there. So they'll be able to have a much more world class facility than they probably currently have down that way. As long as we make an allowance for our regular training reporters, if there's a spot for them in the stands, if that money's going towards it, I'm all for it. I have my ser- I have de- serious doubts as to whether that's going to be the case, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to be chopped out somewhere. Relocate the Salem Malik stand. <laughs> I'm sure Salem will find a way to get in there for us, even though it's a, is a little bit further probably for him to travel. I'm sure he'll uh, do the right thing by us. All right, this week we're going to have a look at the uh, Brisbane-Fremantle game. Obviously, last week we had the bye, so we uh, got to watch sort of a few of the other teams run around while we were waiting for uh, Frio to enjoy the week off. So this week there's only been one change listed with uh, Silvani coming back in, recovering from his ankle injury, and Sutcliffe having a week off. Sutcliffe seems to be on the sort of edge every week about whether he's in or out, so whether there may still be a late change and he'll come in. But at this stage, it looks like Silvani's sort of done enough with his last couple of efforts to get the nod up forward again. Well, I think it's good for his inclusion back in the side for structure. I think, you know, we were going to go into the Adelaide game, you know, depending if it was his ankle, whether it was, um, you know, for the wet weather. Either way, um, it worked out for us against Adelaide. And, look, we need someone back in there, as I pointed out before him this week. It's, it's good for structure to get him back up there. Um, even though just looking at the um, team sheets the way they're named, it's it's got Chris Mayne at centre-half forward, Jack Hanneth at full forward and Silvani in the pocket. So however they decide to line up, as long as we've got our fair share of tools up there, um, I think it's good for structure and test out Patful and Clark and some of these uh, sort of inexperienced um, Brisbane backs. Mm, I think you're dead right there, actually. Although I think we can guess who's going to be first off if the structure's not working. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think Silvani did um, you know, his job in the last few weeks before he got injured, and I certainly think he deserves the right to have another week to see if he can uh, put his foot forward. Obviously, I mean, the reality is that when uh, Pav comes back, he's probably going to be straight out of the side, you'd have to think, unless uh, they decide uh, Clark can do all the rucking on his own and Hannah will go out, but... You'd have to think Silvani's probably going to be on borrowed time, but he's certainly going to give every post a win, you'd have to think. And obviously for himself, whether it stays at Fremantle's list or he is out of contract at the end of the year, if I remember rightly, it'll give him a chance to show his wares in uh, to other teams as well. He's really such an earnest footballer. You know, he really tries hard. 
I, I personally, you know, on a selfish level, don't like him in the team because watching him kick the goal was like someone staring you in the eyes and sharp knives. Steve wasn't that bad. When you look back at his his last years, um, he's been great when he's actually gone for, and he had good numbers until one of the commentators mozzed him, and he's been kicking terribly since. He kicks oh, like a backman, really. But um, I don't know, Seppo, mate. I remember going to a few games and he flower bagged a few through the middle. <laughs> no, that's true. I suppose they look good on the stat sheet, but um, kicking style is like a backman. So, um, but definitely has the hunger and drive and um, beast mode to basically be playing in that forward line. Oh and, goodness, he makes some, makes people earn their positions when he's near the footy, doesn't he? No, oh, definitely. Barlow made mention of it in the um, Channel Ten News segment I just watched. Thanks to the guys posting that up for me. Um, yeah, Barlow really rates him, and Ross obviously does to give him the chance. So. Um, if he's hungry and if he's throwing his weight around, that's good. It's what we need up there. I think you'll find. He... Yeah, I think you'll find as well that even that um, if you go down and watch the pre-season training, I don't think you'll find anyone harder on the track. And I think Lyon sort of puts his hands to his mouth a few times when you know he'll just go up for that spoil and he doesn't mind putting the knee in the back. He just goes. He's just hard at it all the time. And uh, you know, sometimes I don't think he knows that sort of you know the difference between the gears, particularly when you watch him in the uh, you know. Training and I know when he goes down to Claremont, he's you know same sort of same sort of philosophy there. So you certainly can't lack, um, knock his endeavour or his ability to uh, go hard at the contest. That's for sure. Have you seen him play for Claremont since? Because I, for whatever reason, have never managed to catch a Claremont game that he was actually playing in the last year and a half. I've seen him quite a few times actually. Yeah, through watching the waffle, and he I never mean, seems to get much of the footy, but uh, he must be playing okay nevertheless. Yeah, I mean, he's even had some opportunities forward, and when he does go forward, he's, he seems much more comfortable forward at waffle level than he does at AFL level, and maybe because he knows he's just playing for his position there, he's a bit more nervous, but he he does play well down back. He's not a huge accumulator of the ball, and I mean, remember in the last couple of years, particularly down at Claremont, they had Lee, um, Lewis Stevenson and those sort of guys running off half back, and so he didn't have to get a lot of the ball. It wasn't his role. They had Garrick Whedon working there as well. So they actually had a pretty good side, and he didn't. That wasn't his job. He just had had to play on the big forwards down there, and yeah. so he never I had a real opportunity be, to rack the ball up. So I suspect they might not be kicking it to him as well. Actually, I've seen that happen a few times with AFL players. They don't want to give the ball to them. No, well, that, well, I mean that's it. And so just uh, see how it goes. But uh, with the uh, with the emergencies for this week, obviously. Um, we have Tabernacle, Sheridan, and Sutcliffe as the emergency week. I think a few people will probably be surprised that Mitchie didn't get a, at least a role as an emergency after his another 33 possession game last week. But I mean, Sheridan had 28, and Tabernacle was once again good up forward. It's funny, I've seen Sheridan on the uh, list of emergencies now, I think for all bar two of our games. So it, it must be painful for him. I don't know if he's each one of those weeks, if he's been playing for Peel, but he must be damn close. And it's, it's probably. You know, as as an inside mid, he he's really just waiting for one of Barlow or Mundy to sort of fall out to give him that spot in the list because it's just too hard to get in there. I'm not sure if you'd want to go dropping one of those outside guys like um, Daniel Pierce or Muzungu or Clancy to get Sheridan in. Maybe that's the other opportunity for him to get into the side. But um, obviously, you see, I don't think weather's going to play a part of late changes this week. So out of those emergencies, it's um, I'd hope for no changes. Well, uh, just uh, looking at the web here, I see that uh, both Tabner and, uh, and Sheridan have been held out of the Peel side at this point, whereas uh, Michi has been named. Yeah, I don't think uh, Michi will get a run. I, I must admit, I thought he would... I mean, he's certainly knocking on the door, and obviously the sort of journos are asking about him each week. Even this week in the press conference, he had another sort of role there. But Sheridan, I know they do like him down there, and he obviously he does run well between the 50s, and he... His outside play and his delivery is pretty solid. So you'd think, um, given given Mishi's slightly higher numbers, you'd think probably the only explanation must be two-way running. Maybe uh, Mishi's not quite meeting, sorry, meeting meeting their expectations for defensive run because he's, he's obviously he's given his great uh, you know, <clears throat> great statistics. He's certainly meeting the offensive side of the game at a, at a top level. Well, in fact, he's probably one of the, one of the top two or three, four. Midfielders in the waffle at the moment. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is that Sheridan has that bit more height than Mitchie, um, and you know I think uh, you know Sheridan's that bit more outside runner, where Mitchie's probably going to be more that inside grunt um, type player. And as you said, when you've got, he probably just needs to wait for an injury um, or you know someone to have a buy or or a rest or be rested or something like that because 
reality is he's not going to knock Fife or Barlow or Crowley or Mundy out of the side as it is. Well, I do remember reading, you know, a report a week or two ago indicating that Sheridan was actually running with players as well. So that certainly differentiates you from, from this year in that sense. Yeah. The um, Brisbane side this week have got a number of changes with seven ins. So Jordan Lyle, Mitchell Golby, Sam Mays, Tom Rockcliffe, Matthew Lewenberger, Daniel Rich and Noel McKeever into the side. And out of James Polkinghorne admitted, Patrick Carnesis admitted, Brent Maloney out with a back. Sam Michael admitted, Billy Longer admitted, Jack Crisp admitted, and Marco Paparone admitted. So there's obviously a few changes there and a bit of quality coming back into that side with Rockcliffe, Lewenberger, and Rich in particular coming into the side. Seven changes is ludicrous. Especially as many of those guys to be undercooked. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, just, are they, are they trying to win? I mean, I know it's got three decent ends, but seven changes is taking the piss. I think it's. Um, I think it, they probably realise that you know they're going to struggle to win over here, particularly with Brown and Merritt out as well, and so it might be just an opportunity for those guys to get an opportunity to get their legs back into it, and you know, if they uh, introduce or blood some new guys, obviously Jordan Lyle, I don't think he came from Hawthorne. He did show a bit there when he was there as a uh, centre half forward or a tall forward, and I'm not too sure about Mays or. Um, McKeever, obviously McKeever's been named in the ruck, but you'd have to think Lewenberger will start there if possible. Yeah. Maloney's a big loss for them because he's been playing well and providing a bit of their grunt work and um, winning a couple of their clearances and pushing forward. So um, with him out, that's a big loss for them. But, you know, if Rich is going to play, he's going to be a bit underdone. And um, for my sake and my supercoach team, I hope Rockcliffe actually plays. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Rockcliffe is one of those probably danger players. He has got that ability to come through and kick two or three goals quite quickly and just rack up the possessions. And his ability to roll forward certainly makes him a more dangerous player, one one of the more dangerous midfielders in the uh, competition, I think. Now, the big question is, who, who does Crowley go to? Is it going to be Black or is it going to be Rockcliffe or one of those other guys that plays on ball? I think It's it, actually a good question. What with Black being so underdone, is it worth targeting? Let Monday go head to head. Well, clearly they go tag someone. Crowley's not going to not going to play, yeah. not tag. So yeah. I think uh, Crowley will probably end up with Redden. Um, like Redden's, I think just, you're right. I think Redden's just got that uh, ability to get in in under packs, and I think he suits Crowley a little bit better. Where Black, I think if they can get Black and Monday together as a uh, um, match up, I think they'll be both pretty happy with that. I mean, Black can rack it up big time, and he has done it to us in the past. And if Black does get off the leash a bit, then maybe they'll look at making a change from there. I think if they, whoever plays, I think if they have someone like Fife or Barlow on Rich, they'll try and probably push Rich um, down and back. You know, so they'll move their, you know, when they rotate through, they'll make uh, try and push push put Rich in that situation where he's got to play defensive a bit, even across half forward, because he isn't tall, even though he does have a good kick on him. Another good matchup I've just yeah, the good matchup I've just noticed um, could be. Um, with Dane Zorko pushing sort of half forward, is actually getting Nick Subin onto him. Two sort of nuggety, aggressive type players um, taking each other out. That could uh, involve a couple of ripped, ripped jumpers and um, some blood spilled. <laughs> Those two like to go hard at it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other main key matchup will probably be DeBoer on Pierce Hanley. I think uh, they'll try and put DeBoer on him just to stop his run out of half back. He's been a, probably a bit of a revelation this year for Brisbane and. His ability to sort of set up their play from the half-back line has been really important for them in their wins that they have had. And he Hanley's a player like... Goals, doesn't he? Yeah, Hanley's a player like um, sort of Birchall and um, I suppose Waters or Hearn. That it's a player that you can actually um, tag out, out from that defensive forward playing on them because they just provide so much run, yet they don't like a, a hard tag on them. So getting to DeBoer onto Hanley might be uh, crucial to stop Brisbane... Um, venturing forward if they do manage to actually get out from our press. So Yeah, look, I mean, I expect Hanley to be delivering it lace out to our, to our backs all game. Yeah. <laughs> in saying that, we did struggle with Birchall when we played the Hawks down in Tassie. He sort of had a bit of a day out, but you'd have nah, to think... He's a seagull. I don't rate him. <laughs> yeah, he does, get, he does manage to help him out a little bit, though. it would be interesting to see uh, who they uh, play on Adcock, too. So whether they try and rotate that forward through, like, the uh, midfielder through there, someone like a Fife, or whether they put uh, someone like a Main on him as well to uh, sort of expose him. They're quite him a bit. Side, aren't they, Brisbane? They, they, 
I mean, I've watched them play a few times. They've got plenty of talent. They're a bit inexperienced, but lots of talent. They're totally disorganised, though. Yeah, the way they played, Collingwood played played them so well on Friday night a couple, was it last week, week before? Collingwood really ripped them apart, and just looking across their lines, they do have a bit of experience of players that I don't really know about, like this Harwood, Yo, and Lester, and McKeever, all these, I don't know if they're younger guys, um, or just haven't been playing a lot for Brisbane, but I don't know how they're going to cope to our sort of experience lining up everywhere. I think it'll be whether they keep their heads under pressure. If they sort of keep their structure, like like the Dons managed to, managed to do in round two, then they won't be disgraced. But if they drop their bundle, they can lose by 78 points. I think they've got those guys who sort of can bob up on occasions, like even guys like Buick and Zorko. Those guys can kick two or three goals in a game and keep them in there. And I think the good thing for Lyon will be he'll say to the guys, you know, when they played Essendon down in uh, Melbourne and obviously they, they managed to knock off the Bombers. So... At least he's got there, you know, you can't take these guys lightly. And if, if you do, you know, they have shown they've got the ability to upset other sides. All right, has anyone got anything else they'd like to add for this matchup for this week? No, that's me done. I just want to see a better spectacle than I did uh, last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't yeah. a great uh, game last year, that's for sure. I, did, I, I went to that game, yes. It wasn't, wasn't great to watch. Admittedly, if we'd kicked straight, perhaps we wouldn't be talking about it. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty painful to watch. It was perfect for me, actually, because it was the only game that I didn't see live all last year. I was out camping and cut myself off from all media, and when I watched a replay, and I was sort of sat down watching it and had a laugh at the pigeons on the field and the way it was just a it was just a, a terrible game to watch, and I was actually sort of relieved at the end that I didn't actually miss out watching that live. So I'm, I'm happy about that one, but Thank hopefully you, this we, one. Sorry, mate. While we're talking Brisbane, what's happened to Todd Banfield? That's a good question. I think he must be injured at the moment because he certainly was um, in their best players last year. So you'd have to think he'd be injured at the moment because you surely wouldn't be admitted with some of these guys getting a run, that's for sure. I'm going to have to check that one because I have a feeling that he's not injured. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. We'll have a quick look uh, while we're going I've through our review. I, I actually remember watching him play in the 2008 Waffle Grand Final, which also featured um, some future AFL draftees like Rich and uh, Nat Newey. And he stood out as one of the better players in the park, and he played some good games for Brisbane as a young player. But, uh, yeah, but it's a player I wouldn't mind picking up, actually, if he was surplus for requirements in Brisbane. But yeah, I, anyway, I, moving on. I do have a funny feeling, though, he has got a um, no, he has got a low-grade stress reaction in his fibula, so they thought he's, he's out for six weeks, so that that's the problem with him. He still obviously hasn't recovered from that, so uh, that's, you know, he should be due back, I think, after the buy, or if they've had the buy, oh, after in a couple of weeks' time, I think he's due back then. So I know falling out with crazy bossy then that we can capitalise on. Yeah, I mind you, I am looking at old information here too, so it could be, it may not be that. So yeah, I'm not sure what it, what's happened with him. So it'd be interesting to have a look. So all right, we're going to just continue on now with our review from player review from last week. We obviously got up to play 19 last week, and we had a look at Alex Forster was the last one. So. Seppo, you're on the board this week, and we're going to have a look at uh, number 20, Viv Michi. Yeah, no worries. We'll kick off and fly through these. Uh, Viv Michi's um, had some great write-ups in the Waffle Watch reports I've been reading. Haven't been able to see any Waffle games myself, but um, hopefully the numbers um, start to build a great case for selection in the next few weeks. And if he can be named as emergency, hopefully he might get a crack, even just um, a debut on the field, um, obviously out of the next four games. I'm not sure if it'll be a game against Geelong they'll probably want to do it for, but um, you never knew the opportunity might arise and hopefully he does get a game because it's it's showing that he's improving and, and becoming a player that we can add to our midfield depth. Okay, and Paraclete number 21, Michael Barlow. Oh, look, he's, <clears throat> he's been wonderful um, returning back from an extremely nasty broken leg. I was at the game when he broke his leg, actually. You could, uh, you could see what he'd done just in open play, but he's been been really good, slowly, slowly getting back to his best. Really is a, a vital cog inside for us, just winning clearances and making other midfielders accountable. And also, I mean, he showed with his winning, <clears throat> almost that winning goal against uh, in our last game against Adelaide, just how cool he is under pressure. I, I, I really rate Barlow. Yeah, I mean, I've said it in the forums a few times. I think the only time of place where he really lets himself down at times is he's kicking for goal. His just ability to finish inside 50, because he's, he's actually able to take a contested mark down there, and if he could just finish off 
those goals a little bit better, I think he'll just make himself an even more dangerous player because everything else he does, does really, really well. All right, I've got number 22, Tanner Smith. Uh, we have seen Tanner quite a bit for uh, Peel Thunder and he has, uh, obviously, I think he's had one game this year for Fremantle and has uh, showed a little bit. He's got that sort of ability to run all day, sort of a bit like the Nick Rewalt mould, obviously. If he got even close to uh, being able to carry his bag to the ground, it would be fantastic for us. But he has shown his ability to uh, just be able to continually repeat lead, which is terrific. And he's also shown a bit of versatility to be able to play forward and back. So I think he could be definitely one for the future in uh, replacing either one of our key forward posts or key defensive posts for sure. All right, Seppo, number 23, Chris Main. Oh, Chris Maines obviously um, had a nice solid season um, without too many standouts. But one thing that um, I heard actually got mentioned on SEN um, the other day, getting a bit of the media plaudits over here, giving him a good rap because what he's had to do without Pav being there, he's um, sacrificing his game to become that taller target, even though he is a third tall. So, um, And the way that he just competes, hits those packs um, and covers a lot of ground, it's something you can't really see on... Um, the normal television view, um, but he runs all over that ground and, and covers a lot of distance and applies a lot of pressure. So I'm very happy with how Maine's going this year. And um, his accuracy was a bit off up in Sydney, but other than that, he's been sticking to his routine and just slotting those goals. I just hope he continues. I think his hardness at the contest is just sensational. And uh, I think it's something he's just continuing to develop over time. And he's been, uh, as I said, you know, a really important cog in our side, particularly with our forward line being decimated as it, as it has been for for the last few weeks. He's a real general down there too. You see him directing play a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Paraclete, number 24, Max Duffy. Duffy, very difficult player to judge where he's at at the moment. People are just taking the opportunity to stick the boot into my, on the forums at the moment, I suppose, because with so many players performing well in the waffle, someone's got to be the scapegoat. But I... I Personally, just a bit of a guess, I think he might be struggling to adapt his game style to the demands of the coaching team at Fremantle. I saw a lot of him last year when he kicked uh, you know, sort of 35 goals, 35 as a 19-year-old, and he was very much just playing his own game, you know, like it's still the 1980s, not accountable, running ahead of the play. And I think now he's being asked to go inside and win his own footy. Perhaps doesn't quite know where to go, but... I think he's a very talented player, and I, I think it was a good choice, and I think he might be proving a few of the doubters wrong over the coming years. Yeah. I, do, I do agree with what you're saying, though, and I think he is struggling down um, to adapt to that. And, I mean, I would not be surprised in the least if he's uh, moved off the main list at the end of the season. Uh, depending on how other injuries go, I would not be surprised at all if they, either, if they can and they'll either move him, rookie him or do something a little bit different because I, do, I think he does struggle adapting to that, and he does tend to play his own style. And I know that a few times, you know, sort of um, at training they've struggled, you know, he's struggling to adapt to the, the rigours of AFL and what the discipline required, particularly to play with Ross Lyon's style. Well, we've seen he it was, before. We've seen he it was before, rated I mean. quite highly, though. We, we picked him up really high in the draft. It was, what, what pick 33 or 35, whatever he, he slipped I'm, to. I'm and, thinking 36 or 37. Yeah. yeah, it might have even been 39, but whatever it was, but... I, he does have a he has a great ability to run between the fifties, and he can run all day. And he does have speed, but he does tend to do some pretty bad brain fades. Um, and anyone who's watched East Fremantle will tend to, you know, probably know what I'm talking about. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure whether he, he's probably going to fit in entirely with Ross Lyon's system. But I mean, I I'm think more than uh, given his level of his undeniable level of talent, we'll see him persisted with for at least another year. I would have thought. Well, we certainly will see. So anyway. Well, uh, time will certainly tell with him, and let's hope he does manage to, uh, you know, show turn his talent onto the uh, field, and we can see him in Dockers colours at some point. Uh, number twenty-five, Josh Mellington. Obviously, Mellington has uh, struggled to get in the side this year. He sort of did have an injury after about two or three rounds with West Perth. He's been sort of playing well for West Perth, kicking a few goals, but he's sort of been moved up into the midfield and not in his sort of traditional forward role. So he's sort of they're trying to develop his game a little bit more, I think, and. Uh, he, he's really hard at it, and I actually really do like him as a forward, and I'm surprised he hasn't had a go, particularly with Walters out, but I'm obviously happy with the work Crozy is doing for that. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe a team, another club comes calling for him at the end of the season if he doesn't get a chance to have, his, have a game by then. 
All right, number 26, Seppo, Kepler-Bradley. One Kepler-Bradley. Well, I looked at his um, pre-season form and I just noticed, um, even from what I've read in the reports, he was it was fairly quiet and I'm not sure if he was doing a, um, an altered program. He just His pre-season just comprised of laps and laps and laps. I'm not sure if they were trying to build build his fitness up, but um, whatever he did, I, I thought he was going to be on the outer and I didn't actually have him in my 22 to begin with. Um, but he was on fire in those early games, and he kicked, I think it was three to four goals in that um, Western Bulldogs game in round two, and then again three down in Tasmania, which I watched personally, and unfortunately got struck down by his injury. So um, hopefully that injury allows a full recovery and he can get back to his pre-season, because uh, I hope we don't cut him, because I love a uh, cult hero, but if he can hang around, he can do something, something to um, help our forward line if, you know, if Silvani won't be around, we almost need someone like Kepler on the list to just provide that structure, as Ross always seems to justify the inclusion of guys like Bradley and Silvani. We we need that bigger, taller body up, up forward that's not a ruck, it's more of a forward, and we know he can kick goals, so um, hopefully he is there next year. I think he'll be one of those... Yeah, I think he'll be no, and I think he'll be one of those guys who'll probably just get a one-year deal, and you need, you need those guys on your list because you don't want everyone... Obviously, we've got a lot of guys coming out of contract at the end of next season, but obviously a lot of those guys we'd look to re-sign as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does get a one-year deal. All right, Paraclete, number 27, Lockie Neal. Look, this kid's a clearance machine. <clears throat> I've watched him play for Swanderjicks a number of times uh, on the tally, no, never in, in the flesh, and he is really talented. I mean, in real life, in relation to where he was picked up in the draft, I think it was a pick 70 or something. It was a bit of a steal. And I think we're going to have a bit of a player here. Uh, he's not super quick, and though that's the downside. Uh, I think perhaps how good an AFL player he's going to be might be dictated on just how long he can run for. I don't know really know what his tank's like. I don't know. What do you guys reckon? Well, the way he's played so far has been um, a fairly good impact. Like even I think it was a sub when he came on on um, down in Tassie, and and he had a great impact. So maybe his tank's not ready yet, but I reckon a couple of years of development. Um, as long as he can run out the games, you know, you, you do get mm. your Prittis or Sam Mitchell-type plotters. Um, there is a space for that. Uh, but obviously, whatever he lacks in um, sort of pace and endurance, he, he makes that up for skill and his extraction work's brilliant when he has played. So unfortunately, there's I haven't no seen the waffle form. But there's it's... no substitute for that ability to be in the right spot, pick oh, up yeah, the footy in a contest. It's a bit like Hazelby in that sense. Yeah, Hazelby. Yeah. All right, we're moving on. Let's have a look. Um, I've got number 28, Peter Forks. Still uh, playing fullback for Peel Thunder. Obviously, we just saw him once uh, once or twice for Fremantle. He had a horrific sort of injury. He's certainly going to struggle to break into that back six, as any player would. He's, uh, he seems to get a little bit more of the ball at Peel than he used to. He's still not his strength of his game, and he probably, in that regard, is similar to Dawson. I think he's obviously there as insurance but I just can't see him cracking into the 22 unless we get an injury down back and he'll get an opportunity there maybe to show his wares, but you'd have to think he'd be on thin ice come the end of the season. I'll go a step further and happy fun times. He's finished. Gone. Yeah, I think it will. Do. the only thing that might save him is depends on what happens with Silvani or if we need to have that backup down. If they feel that Tanner Smith is capable and ready to go, then I think, he, you know, I think his papers are going to be probably stamped, but otherwise, yeah, I think... You know, he might get maybe one year at best. All right, Sepe, number 29, Matt Pavlich. Oh, the captain. Well, that's not much to say because he you know, he spent, what, three games out there and been sitting on that injury list just trying to get back for all these numerous amounts of surgery. So I just hope that we do see him soon because you don't want to leave his run back into the team too late because he's almost going to be using the games when he does get back into the side as his pre-season because he didn't really get much of it. So... Um, but obviously he's got that many runs on the board. He doesn't need much, but I just want to see him out there before we get to the uh, business end of the season. So um, all the best for him in his recovery, and I just hope it's within the time frame that's set on the um, injury list website, that three to four weeks. If it's if it's going to be there, I want to see him back in there. And no waffle. I, I want to get him straight back in if he's good to go. Yeah, I think that, I think that will be the case. You can't see him playing waffle and... They'll just make sure he does enough on the track, and even if he comes in as a sub, or you know maybe just play half a game and then sub him out. So if if he's not feeling you know 100 percent after his first game, and they'll they'll pick and choose their spots, I think. 
Especially if we're playing in a game like we did with McFarlane. If we've got the game wrapped up and perhaps playing as a precautionary thing, if it's a third quarter, fourth quarter, you may as well just, um, as Ross Lyon says, tap him out. Absolutely. All right, Paraclete, number 30, Zach Clark. I'm a big fan. Uh, I know a lot of... He's a polarising player on our board, isn't he? Um, You either love him or you think uh, he's overrated. I think he's very talented. I think he's already one of the top five or six ruckmen in the, in the in the league in terms of his around-the-ground play. Uh, and he's pretty good at set of bounces too, but he's, at this point, very still a little bit weak at the around-the-ground rucking, getting pushed off the ball. Uh, he's also a bit of a key in terms of um, the structure of our list in terms of whether he will stay or go at the end of the season. I mean, I've said a number of times I think he's the most important re-signing for Fremantle this year, bar none. I just think if we lose him, it will certainly put our list in a bit of a hole. We've got, obviously, Sandlands has maybe got a year left. Griffin's coming off a knee. Bradley's off a knee. Moller's not ready. I mean, Hanneth has shown patches, but I just don't know if he has the ability to play four quarters week in, week out. I just, yeah, I don't want to be a... Yeah, Hanneth is very popular at the moment, but I don't want to be a heretic, but, geez, he has been absolutely belted in the ruck in every game that he's played. And it's not like he's 19. He's 21-22, so... He may improve, and he's a good athlete, but let's not count, let's not count those chickens yet. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. I, th- I think he's more of a forward than a ruck anyway myself, so I really do think he's a really important uh, player for us to re-sign. And moving on to the uh, other ruckman on our list, number 31, Aaron Sandilands. Once again, obviously you haven't seen much of him at all, bar a brief sort of quarter and a bit in the pre-season. And they said, I said it was a hamstring strain, and it sort of continued on and on, so... I mean, you'd have to wonder about his durability uh, come, you know, the next few seasons. But I think a lot of people forget how good he is at giving us that first use of the ball, particularly now that our midfielders are firing. And just our ability to dictate where that ball goes will just be a huge advantage. I mean, you've only got to look back at that Sydney game. There's no way uh, he wouldn't have given it every opportunity for that Michael Johnson kick to get over the line. No one, certain Reed wouldn't have been out of market, that's for sure. That's a good point about that Sydney game. It's just a couple extra centimetres might have been the dis- difference between the um, the win and the draw. Absolutely. So, Seppo, number 32, Stephen Hill. Well, I've had Hilly, and obviously after a bit of a start, he had the um, four weeks out with that quad that was well managed. You obviously didn't want to rush him back. So um, it was good to see the way he's come back and just slowly building on it. Um, I still don't think we've seen the best of him. Um I reckon he's he's close to breaking a game apart like the what we have seen. Uh, I'm not sure if that's been taken away by the addition of Daniel P- Pierce, but um, Hilly's a good player, and I just um, want to see him get hungry and and go forward and pick up the ball and start running again. And hopefully, this is an opportunity of good weather on Saturday at Subiaco to do it. Yeah, it's funny with his ability to um, kick goals from set shots. He just seems to freeze for some reason. He really struggles with it compared to his ability to finish on the run as well. It just seems bizarre, but, you know, he does. He, you do, you're just waiting for that game where he's going to break it open for sure. All right, number 33, Paracletes, Cameron Sutcliffe. Another steal, I think, for us. Uh, really impressed with his ability. Um, gut running for someone pick solo in the draft. Uh, excellent play. Unlucky to miss out again, but uh, we've got a pretty full set of senior players. A, a really impressive pick. I think a number of... a bit more a bit more muscle on the boy. We could be looking at a really solid B grade or even A grade midfielder. Yeah, I think he's got that ability, and I think there was a number of clubs actually look sort of tracking his progress this year towards the end of the season, and I think he'll uh, certainly have the ability to take his football to the next level if he, as you said, develops his body a little bit further because he certainly has the ability to run all day. He's definitely got the skill set too. The way you see him kick and run, it's it's good things to have and. Be a good future with him. Yeah. All right, number thirty-four, Lee Spur. He's been terrific across halfback this year, and a number of us were sort of worried about the uh, impact of losing McPhee at the end of last year. But I think he's sort of made that position his own now. And you know, you just have to wonder how guys like him have missed out. You know, being drafted after you know playing six or seven years in the Sandful, but he's taken every opportunity. You know, his opportunity and grabbed it with both hands and then some. And you know, on, he's probably one of my favourite players watching. Um, any Frio game at the moment. It's amazing how worried we were at the start of the season about not being able to contain smalls, like how Eddie Betts ripped us apart in that pre-season Carlton match. But 
Um, I, I can't remember of a, a small forward that's absolutely ripped us ripped us apart. So that's a massive credit to Spur. All right, moving on to number thirty-five, Hayden Schleuth. I haven't managed to um, once again waffle player that I haven't really seen much of, but his his numbers have been impressive. He's obviously had a couple of different roles. I've seen him named on ball um, and around like forward forward pockets, I believe, and um, he's had a bit of work around the ground. So I'm not sh- sure what sort of stage of his development if they're working on his tank or on particular he's roles. Mostly, but... mostly on ball, and I saw him play on TV three weeks ago, and he was playing on ball or as loose man defence. Yeah, he was Originally, he played in the Colts down back. It was a little defensive. or It was actually a forward pocket. Like, and he, had, he was probably the best tackler in the Colts bar none that year. And I think that was the reason why he got on the list. And I think he's, a, he's just taken that, a bit like Mellington, I think they're just trying to develop and see if he can has that ability to rotate through the midfield as well. And I think he's probably... Um, He's certainly not doing himself any harm. His ability to get the ball, and I think he's developing pretty well at South, actually. I just have this funny feeling that we're looking at someone who's going to be a, you know, really, really, really good waffle midfielder, you know, possible Sandover medal winner, but for whatever reason, not an AFL player. Mm. Yeah, he's sort of a natural replacement for Crowley as well, so maybe he will oh, get yeah, his, God, his stage. I really, hope, yeah, I really hope yeah. he does turn into a run-with option for us. You can't, you can't have enough of them. All right, Paraclete, number 36, Alex Silvani. Oh, Silvani. Well, we've already talked about him a fair bit in the podcast so far. <laughs> uh, I, I'm wary of saying, like, I don't rate him because I also don't rate amateurs' opinions over, over professionals. I'm, if the club are playing him, then I'm prepared to concede that they know more about it than I am, and they're almost certainly right. But to me, I, I think he's probably just filling in time until we can have some more effective key position players available to play. But, you know, reiterating what we said before, his attack on the footy is second to none, and he does straighten us up. Yeah, you've got to remember, he's come off the rookie list for us back in what, 2010 or 2009 draft, so it's not like we forked out a lot for him, but he has been playing well when he has been given the opportunity with only a couple of um, bad performances, really. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I've got number 37, Michael Johnson, and... Once again, uh, the magic of Ross Lyon and company have managed to turn him in just to a really consistent player. And probably after his little uh, drug lapse a few years, or probably a year and a half, two years ago, he's just sort of turned his career around and probably showing the potential that a lot of people saw in him when he was down at Clontarf many moons ago. And, uh, yeah, he's just been terrific down back and just his ability to uh, hit targets and intercept marks there has been terrific. Jukunizis... All-Australian all chance? Or do you reckon he needs to do more? I think he probably just needs to do a little bit more. I think there are other players out there who probably have that little bit, um, you know, a bit more dash or a bit more flair about them. Even if you sort of had compared him and McFarlane, you'd probably have to give... You'd probably go with McFarlane over him. And then you've got other guys like Carlisle and that sort of stuff. So I think it'd be a struggle for him. But, I mean, the fact he's even been considered in that conversation is terrific, I think. He'll mm. change his current form. He's got a, a, some small chance of sneaking yeah. into the 40s, squad of 40, but yeah. I don't think he'll make the final cut. All right, Seppo, you're on to Jack Hanneth. Yeah, the uh, the latest of the um, cult heroes almost. He's he's making his way in with his performances, and um, by God, he's doing a good job of it. Uh, I didn't actually think he'd have this type of impact coming into cover, um, but he's played a good what, six games now, and he's covering quite well, and I just hope it doesn't burn him out that he wasn't ready for it. Um, but obviously, if he's played a lot at the sample level, um, he should be right for it. So I don't know how taxing this is going to be on his body, and um, but the way he's playing, you know, he's, he's kicked a good couple of goals. He's got a great kick on him. Um, he moves very well. I actually thought he was a bit slower than um, how he's been going. So it's a good combination, him and Clark. They sort of complement each other with their their roles and the way they're rotating through. So I'm very pleased with um, how Jack's gone. Yeah, I think for a, a very team. earnest effort, a very effective around the ground. I don't want to praise him too much, though, as White Oak's favourite son, but he's been very good. <laughs> yeah, and I think you've got to also, you know, sort of take any sort of effort that any player has against Melbourne as a with a grain of salt, but just his ability to um, just do that little sort of kick from goal from 50 on the run I think was uh, just a sign of maybe some of his potential and he does take a good mark forward, he knows when to lead and uh, I think he actually shows a bit of ability as a forward more than... I reckon he shanked that goal against Melbourne. 
<laughs> All right, Paraclete, back to you, number uh, 39, Sam Manigola. Sam Manigola, he of uh, famous running ability of the club. I have, haven't seen him play on telly since last year, and unfortunately for him, he's uh, sustained a knee injury of the, the exact type I'm not aware because I don't think it's been made public. Is it, is it a PCL? And I mean, it can't be an ACL because it was only three months. Probably at a poor time for him, though, because I think he's probably going to have to do a lot of really good work at East Fremantle over the remainder of the season to stay on the list. Yeah, I think he reminds us a bit like Daniel Bandy. You sort of see the uh, sort of uh, time trials at the beginning of the season. He's always up there, but just doesn't sort of always translate it to the uh, football um, onto the footy field. Which is I'm sorry, what am I hearing? Am I, are you knocking Daniel Bandy? I'm not knocking <laughs> Daniel Bandy, but you always used to see his uh, name up the top. He'd always train the house down in the pre-season, but not always... Reflect that in his ability at the. Uh... Oh, I can't even hear you. Can't even hear you. <laughs> uh, sounds sounds like we must have Jesse Crichton coming up with Seppo as well. But uh... oh no, my God, Daniel Bandy and Jesse Crichton in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Number forty. All right, number forty, Craig Moller. Uh, obviously, GWS were quite keen on him. I think at the end of last year, he's a rookie player. He's certainly got a comes from a basketball background, um, and I think he's shown a bit of potential this year. Particularly, he's played a few games of league for Peel, and he has been moving between league and reserves. He obviously is a long way off. Um, looking at his body frame, he needs to, you know can't eat enough steak and put on enough kilos at the moment. But I think in terms of his ability and his athleticism, he'll be a player of the future for sure. That's a really shame. He's got these quads that have um, just given way because he's what had one just coming back from it, and then he's had another hiccup. I'm not sure if it's the same one, but back on the list with another four weeks. So. Um, I wonder if he's at a stage, though, if he didn't have that injury and say, you know, heaven forbid we lose Clark or Hannes, that he would be ready for a um, promotion to the senior list and actually get a game. I wonder if he's he's that good because a lot of the guys reporting for his early games for Peel were amazed at how advanced he is and probably all that extra training with GWS that he did the year before has probably put him in good stead for... And early, obviously, rookies, rookie Ruckman will spend a lot of time on that list, but um, yeah, maybe he's going to get a chance sooner or later. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Seppo, back to you, Paul Duffield. Yes, well, uh, Paul Duffield's been another one of those fantastic um, set of players down back, along with you know Johnson and Spur and McFarlane and Dawson, just been consistently performing, and he just falls in that category of guys that just. Um, has added that extra little bit on from last year and been ultra consistent. It's um, hard to fault the way he's been playing this year and he's getting some high numbers and, yeah, just really happy with his performance this year. Yeah, he used to frustrate me a little bit and I always thought he was a little bit soft, but he seems to have definitely improved in that aspect and his delivery outside of uh, 50 is, or out of the defensive 50 has been sensational. And I think he was the only elite player we had rated on champion data at the beginning of the season, which is... Uh, you know, either sort of raises your eyebrows at the whole rating system to begin with, or sort of puts him in a good good stead for the uh, in relation to the rest of the comp. Yeah, and he loves to push up the ground and actually get involved. Like he's he's got good numbers for inside fifties each game, so he knows how to run forward. And I'm just thinking about his memorable goals against Geelong back in the day. And um, yeah, he's he's a very good runner. And him and Ibbotson have really just increased their um, physical presence and how hard they're going, so very happy with that. Yeah. All right, Paraclete, number 42, Matthew Taberner. I think uh, we've all been pretty encouraged by the, at least the statistics we're seeing coming back for a plucked in the rookie list uh, key position player. Uh, by all accounts, has a very big tank and uh, gets about the place and, and uh, takes both marks in the lead and contested marks. And, uh, and he, well, he's not his emergency for this weekend, so I think we're could possibly be in with a bit of luck here. Yeah, I think he'll definitely develop into that sort of replacement for Pav over time, and I think most people who've sort of seen him appeal have been pretty impressed with his ability to continually um, stay in the contest and, uh, you know, be able to get sort of four or five shots at goal every week. It sounds like he's going to turn into the um, uh, Nick Rewalt type, the real athletic lead-up top forward with his... um running styles and the way he covers the ground. It sounds pretty good because I'd love someone like that. We haven't had that since, um, what did you say, J-Lo? Yeah, and that's probably being generous as well, I think. I yeah. don't even think j I don't think we probably ever had one. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
No one of that caliber. No, not at all. All right, number 43, Alex Housen, uh, a rookie listed player. He's playing for the East Fremantle, struggling to break into the league side there. Um, they've got a reasonably strong league side. He probably, uh, in his Colts development last year, he played forward and sort of centre-half back for the WA State 18s. The only problem, main problem with Alex is that he doesn't have much of an ability to do else other than mark and kick goals, which is terrific if you're doing that. But if he doesn't get... Like, if you look at his stats, he'll might have five kicks, four goals, but he'll have nothing else, no tackles, no pressure, doesn't get involved in many other ways. He did look a little bit better across centre-half back for the WA18s last year, and maybe they hope he could develop into a defender, but he's a long way off at the moment. I couldn't... He probably need to develop a little bit more next year and probably have to try and break into that league side at Eastern Mountain if there's any chance of staying You've got to get into the league. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think reserves waffle footy is a bit like... You know, good old fashioned footy, amateur footy, where you're inside the forward fifty. You know, you know, you're just you're not really getting involved in the play unless the ball comes down there. Yeah, I mean, even in the, and the same with the Colts last year, but it probably doesn't help in the reserves because the delivery inside fifty to him is not going to be terrific. Um, for anyone, you know, as you said, waffle reserves is not going to be the um, probably not helping his development. So he's really got to try and push into that league side as soon as he can if he wants to be any chance to stay on the list. All right, Seppo, I've left a bit of time for you, mate. Your uh, man, Jesse Crichton. Oh, how did I end up with him? Oh, well, <laughs> lucky me. My mate, Jesse Crichton. Well, um, I did a bit of a report <laughs> for him. <laughs> He'll be right. Um, I'm amazed at how many times Ross has actually mentioned his name in these post-match press conferences to say of uh, returning players from injury and, and guys we're going to see. So I'm holding out for his... Um, place in the side. Um, he, he had some good performances in the waffle earlier in the year and picked up a bit of mild dose of leather poisoning of 24 disposals early on. But um, unfortunately, he's been dropped with all types of injuries. I think it was a hip and then more recently a... Um, I can't remember his latest injury, but... Um, Not related, I believe. No. <laughs> um, either way, he's been doing a lot of uh, rehab work with his mate Morabito running laps. So um, I just hope we can actually see him out there. And, and the person he's going to displace in the side, unfortunately, is someone like Spur or Ibbotson. And <laughs> at the moment, I, I can't really justify a case to um, put him in front of them. So it's only going to be by chance of injury that he he will get a spot. But um, when he does, he's going to be hungry for it. And he's he's got that competitive edge like... Um, Suburn and Silvani have that if he does go, we'll, we'll see what Ross Lyon has seen, I think, for keeping him on there and giving him a chance. So I, I do hope we see it sometime. Well, hopefully it justifies your faith in him, uh, Sefo, that's for sure. No, I have faith. We will see him on that on that field before the end of the year. All right, and the last player on our list, number 46, Clancy Pierce, Paraclete. An invaluable counter-attacking weapon with his... Booming right boot across the half-back line playing now. And, uh, of course, still has the ability to rotate on with the ball. Another um, rookie to steal for Frio. Yeah, I mean, it's just full credit to him, obviously, with Lyon coming in, sort of giving him a bit of a rocket. And, you know, his ability to come across the back and even kick goals from outside 50 will just be an invaluable weapon for us come the end of the season when those, uh, you know, goals sort of dry up, when it becomes more and more tougher when the finals come around. So, no, well, full credit to him for this for the... Um, way he's come about and uh, turned his footy career around, that's for sure. I'd love to see the numbers on his kicking because every time he roosts that ball, it, he must cover a lot of ground. I'm not sure if they've got that um, those champion data stats that shows ground covered, but um, he must send that ball hundreds of metres every game because I just love the way he kicks. Even those short ones that he occasionally does when he lowers his eyes, but he, he can definitely send that ball places he wants to. I think that was the main problem with him a couple of seasons ago. And even when he played for Swans, he tended to do it a little bit. Was He just tried to tend to kick the ball too low and like try to do a worm burner every time rather than just sort of waiting it a little bit better. And I think he's developed that a little bit more and his kicking has improved because of it. Like before, he used to sort of get him down on the boot laces and it just made it really tough for the guys who was trying to mark from him. So, But, yeah, as you said, he's just come along in leaps and bounds. All right, Seppo, do you want to... Uh, the uh, listeners a reminder about the competition you're running on the Big Footy page. Yes, we're. Um, I'm yet to create the thread, but it's going to be up there in the next few days. Um, we've got our banner message competition for getting a couple of lines, like we've seen in the previous ones, onto the Carlton banner. 
for later in the season for the game here. Um, it's going to be a night game at Etihad, so um, I'll put up a couple of designs of what I had in mind, but it's going to be open to the whole forum. Any of our members can get involved and suggest a couple of things, as long as it's all PC within the guidelines. Obviously, the club's got to approve the message, but keep an eye out for that, and I'd love to have a bit of feedback and get all you guys involved in, in something that I've had the uh, luxury of doing over the last couple of years and like to extend it out to everyone. So keep an eye out for it. Sounds great, Seppo, and I'm sure... Uh... There'll be some guys a lot wittier than uh, myself out there who'll be come up with something terrific for that, I'm sure. Just a reminder as well, guys, about our podcast. It is available on iTunes as well as on the Big Footy page. So you're more than welcome, if you just search for Big Footy Frio, uh, you can see it there and you can download it, obviously, and listen to your heart's content. All right, that just about wraps it up for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Seppo and Paraclete for coming on board. And... Uh, just before we finish off, guys, just say your farewells and what your tip is for this week in the uh, game against Brisbane. All right. Well, I've, um, I'm actually, with these inclusions that Brisbane got, I'm going to probably go for a 45 to 50 point win. And I think the actual line was 59. So I might actually throw a bit on Brisbane to cover that line of 59. So I think it'll be a nice solid win, but I think they've actually added a bit to their side. So... Yeah, Freo by 48. Paraclete yourself? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, Freo by 40 for me. Yeah, I think I think that line bet is definitely good value at 59. I, you know, you struggle to see uh, Fremantle. They never really blow teams away at any stage of the competition, even the uh, lower teams. So I think Brisbane have got enough sort of good inclusions in to make that a pretty good bet if you're looking at the uh, line bet. But I still think comfortably... Frio will win by that, you know, six to eight goal margin, as you guys think. That's that's about where I think it'll be. So, thanks very much, guys, for joining us this week. And uh, obviously, we'll catch you again next week with Sepo and myself. And I think we've got Jedi Mind Tricks joining us next week. So, thanks again, and uh, thanks, Paraclete, for joining us for the last couple of weeks. And your insights have been terrific. No problems, fellas. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks, guys. Yep, thanks, Sepo, and we'll uh, see you guys next week. Thanks for that. Bye for now. <laughs>